0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to What's True for Everybody. This is Experience 19. Uh, But before we get into that, uh, something about what's coming next. I've been preparing some teachings for a summer camp I'm doing. I'm leaving in a couple weeks, eight to be exact. And so I think next I'll just turn that into a summer camp (laughs) podcast series. Uh, And so I'm going to try to get those recorded before I leave if I can. If not, maybe I'll do some after. But uh, I want to do that for two reasons. One, because that's what I've been working on, and so I might as well share it. Uh, And two, we've picked up some listeners in Indiana, which is where this camp is, and I'm wondering if it's some parents of students who are going to this camp. And so I thought it might be cool for parents to hear what their kids, at least a version of what their kids will be hearing. And then when they get home from camp, parents, you can talk to your students about it. Uh, If you're a student that's going to be at this camp and you're listening, Uh, Maybe skip over them, unless you want to hear it twice. But uh, maybe skip over them and wait, and then listen if you really want to when you get back. So that's what's coming next. Uh, Tonight, we were supposed to be at my son's baseball game, but it got rained out. So now it's turned into Kung Fu Panda 2 movie night. My kids and Corey and Grandma is in the house. They're watching Kung Fu Panda in the next room, and so I wanted... To do this, experience 19. This is a book re- report about the last book I read. It's called Why We Sleep, and it is one of the most fascinating books I have ever read. <laughs> and so I had to do a book report on this. It's a uh, published in 2017 by a, a guy named Matthew Walker. Matthew Walker is a professor of neuroscience and psychology at the University of California, Berkeley. He's a former professor of psychiatry at Harvard. Uh, this dude has studied sleep for over 20 years. He's published more than 100 scientific studies on sleep. And there's absolutely no way to do this book justice on a podcast. So I'm just going to say a few quick things that I've learned in this book. And then at the end, in a, in an appendix, he gives 12 tips for healthy sleep. And so then I'll list those. And so uh, that's what we're going to do. But if, if nothing else comes from this podcast, I hope at least somebody should read this book. I, talk about what's true for everybody. Everybody should read this book. Um, or, if you don't want to read it, he is on the Joe Rogan podcast, if you know Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, one of the best interviewers that I know of. You can find his podcast on, on YouTube. And so, If you want to see a, a really good interview and hear a bunch of cuss words in the process, go find... Joe Rogan's podcast on YouTube with Matthew Walker on his book, Why We Sleep. So here we go. This is all according to Matthew Walker's research and what he says in his book. Uh, Two-thirds of adults throughout all developed nations don't get the recommended eight hours of sleep a night. Two-thirds of adults in developed nations don't get eight hours a night. Are you in the two-thirds that don't, or or are you in the one-third that does, and it didn't. It wasn't always this way, but later and more work hours, longer commutes, more of the uh, "sleep is for weak people" <laughs> mentality have contributed to this. Two thirds don't get the recommended eight hours of sleep, which means two thirds of all adults in developed nations are sleep deprived, uh, routinely sleeping less than six or seven hours a night. More than doubles your risk for cancer. And according to the research, it does this because your immune system gets demolished if you don't get enough sleep. Uh, Insufficient sleep is a key factor in determining whether you get Alzheimer's disease. They've linked that. Uh, Here's here's an interesting one. If you go on a diet and aren't getting enough sleep, and you're not getting seven to nine or roughly eight hours of sleep, and you go on a diet, 70% of the weight you lose is muscle and not fat. So you might be losing weight, but you're losing the wrong weight and it's not actually doing any good. Uh, That's interesting. Sleep isn't, he says, sleep isn't just the third pillar of health along with diet and exercise. We often think of those three, sleep, diet, and exercise as the three things that we need. He says, it's not just the third pillar that goes along with diet and exercise. Sleep is the foundation on which those two other things sit. Uh, So if you've ever gone to bed late one night and you set your alarm early because you needed to get a workout in and this is the only time you could get it in what he argues is it's actually more beneficial for your health to get that extra hour hour and a half of sleep if you're getting less than eight hours than it is to go wake up early and go to the gym sleep comes before working out he says uh one person dies in a traffic accident every hour in the United States, due to a fatigue related error, there are more car accidents caused by drowsy driving than alcohol and drugs combined. <laughs> and he's not supporting driving under the influence of alcohol or drugs. He's just simply pointing out there's actually more accidents that come from fatigue related error, drowsy driving. Uh, he talks about what caffeine and jet lag and alcohol due to our sleep. Um, By the way, alcohol, he says, even though it feels like you're getting some good rest because you just kind of pass out. If you have that much, he says, what you're actually doing is sedating your brain, which isn't really sleep. And so it's not doing any good. Uh, By the way, a spider can create its web better when it's on marijuana speed or LSD than it can when it's on caffeine. (laughs) And he's like, this is what we're readily giving to our kids and what we're doing ourselves. Uh, And so if you're asking yourself, am I getting enough sleep? A couple of questions he lists. First, after waking up in the morning, could you fall back asleep at 10 or 11 a.m.? If yes, obviously, then you're not getting enough sleep. Number two, he says, and this is a more interesting one. Can you function optimally without caffeine before noon? do you get up and the first thing you do is head to the kitchen to make the cup of coffee Uh, or you get to work. And the first thing you do is go to the, the coffee pot in the office. Uh, Can you function optimally without caffeine before noon? Can you function at all (laughs) without caffeine before noon? If not, he says you're most likely just self-medicating your state of chronic sleep deprivation, which by the way is a vicious cycle because he put caffeine in. Uh, And so you, You don't sleep as well at night if you drink caffeine in the afternoon. We'll get to that in a moment. And then you wake up and you're tired again or more tired. It's just this perpetual cycle. Other questions he lists. Uh, If you didn't set an alarm clock, would you sleep past the time you need to get up? And do you find yourself rereading things because it didn't sink in the first or second or third time or the 15th time? Uh, he, he talks about different stages of life and how sleep is crucial in every stage of life from like a newborn uh, to adolescent to teenager to adults to elderly. Uh, he talks about how early start times are messing up our kids because they actually need a lot of sleep. And, and their circ- circadian rhythm, he, he calls it, uh, it, actually is later. And so they need to go to bed later and wake up later. And then when they have to get up at 5 or 5.30 to get to the school bus – and then we expect him to do well and think clearly on like tests and quizzes in the morning. And it's really interesting. He, and and he, here's another, he says we can sleep with half a brain. So he talks about, you've seen a, a row of birds on like a telephone wire. He says, for protection, say you're looking at this row of birds on the telephone wire. The bird on the very far right, if you're in this line of birds, the bird on the very far right, when they're sleeping, the bird's left side of the brain will sleep and the right side will stay awake so the bird can keep watch for danger coming from the right side of the row of the birds. Okay, Go to the bird all the way to the left side. That bird will sleep with the right side of its brain asleep, the left side awake, so they can keep watch for any sort of activity that threatens the group of birds coming from the left side. And he says, we do the same thing, which is why when you sleep in a hotel or you sleep in an unfamiliar place, the first night is typically the worst night of sleep you get for whatever that duration of nights you're sleeping there, right? Um, He says it's a survival and a protection instinct because you're actually sleeping with like half a brain and you don't know what's going to go on in this place at night. And so you sleep light. You can't fall asleep, and uh, it's a preservation. What if there's danger here, and I have to act quickly and wake up? Super interesting. There's uh, water animals, animals in in the ocean that do this as well. He talks about dreams and sleeping pills, what those do. He talks about alarm clocks, creativity, mental health, memory, what sleep does for memory. He talks about TV, phones, computers before bed and what that does temperature of sleeping, effects of lack of sleep in the workplace, whether you are the employee or the employer, uh, healthcare, what that's doing. By the way, he says the one place that people need the most sleep, the most rest, the most recuperation hospitals are the place they're getting the least because of all the beeping and the machines and the people coming in and out. Um, And by the way, here's a statistic. The percent, in case you're thinking this doesn't really apply to me, the percent of people in the world who can sleep six hours or less a night and not have it affect them in any way, rounded to the nearest percentage, is zero. <laughs> There's a few people in the world who can, who can do this, um, but not many. He says, you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than you being one of these people. So anyway, I encourage everyone to read this book, Why We Sleep, at least watch the podcast with Joe Rogan, but here in one of his, uh, in an appendix, he talks about 12 t- tips for healthy sleep. Here we go. Number one. And he says, if you're going to follow one of these tips, make it this one. He says, go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. Go to bed and wake up at the same time each day, even on weekends. Um, he says, cause that trains your body. You can't, your brain can't fully get back to sleep. It's already missed. He said naps will help and you can get some of it back. You can sleep an hour or two later on, on Saturday. Um, but he says sleeping later on Saturday and Sunday will actually make it harder to wake up again on Monday. And so we get in this routine of going to bed and waking up at the same time each day. And he says, we set an alarm to wake up. Why don't we just set an alarm to go to bed? So we remind ourselves when we need to go to bed. Uh, and I, I've actually been trying to do this and sometimes I do better than others but for me and back to this term circadian rhythm and we're all different so the time that we're all we're ready for bed and the time we're ready to get up like me and my wife Corey are, are different uh, I've been trying to go to bed nine thirty, and so I'm asleep nine forty five or somewhere on there and waking up at 6 um, I've been trying to do that on a regular basis and by the way going back to alarm clocks, doing this, I haven't slept until my alarm. I, I've probably done it twice in the last six weeks. <laughs> it's actually like trained your body. Um, and then Corey, her optimal is probably going to bed like 11 to 7 is probably her prime time. And so I used to judge her <laughs> circadian rhythm. Like, she, come on, why don't you want to go to sleep? You're not trying hard enough. Uh, but now I realize that's not how it works. Anyway, go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. Try it. See what happens. Two, exercise, but not too late in the day. So he encourages exercise 30 minutes or so on most days of the week. But he says don't do it later than two to three hours before your bedtime because then it just makes you're revved up. It makes it harder to fall asleep. Number three, avoid caffeine and nicotine. Uh, He talks about how caffeine has an average half-life of five to seven hours, which means If you have a cup of coffee at 2 p.m., 2 in the afternoon, half of the caffeine is still in your body at 7 or 8 or 9 p.m. And we don't realize this, and we wonder why it takes us a while to fall asleep. And he talks about nicotine and how it's a stimulant, and so smokers will often sleep very lightly. So actually, and he makes a joke about this in the podcast with Joe Rogan, Um, he's basically a party pooper, don't drink, don't smoke. Um, don't have caffeine. I think he's okay with dancing. I don't, I don't know. He didn't talk about that. But uh, number four, avoid alcohol before bed. He, and we talked about how alcohol just basically sedates your your brain. You're not actually getting good sleep. And uh, not only that, but alcohol robs you of REM sleep, of REM sleep, which keeps you in lighter stages of sleep. And he goes into, the, into, into that in the book and what REM sleep does and why we need it. Um, and also, y- you tend to wake up in the middle of the night when the alcohol has, has worn off. Five. Avoid large meals and beverages late at night. We all know this it's not good for us to, to sleep on a really full, go to bed on a really full stomach, and obviously, if you drink late at night, uh, you go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. Number six, if possible, avoid medicines that delay or disrupt your sleep. Number seven. Don't take naps after 3 p.m. Uh, naps can make up, help make up for lost sleep, but as we know, a later nap will make it harder to fall asleep at night. Eight, relax before bed. He says leave time to unwind. Have you ever come home from work or from something where you were just going and you were on and you got home and it was like bedtime or past your bedtime, but you thought, no, there's no way I could sleep right now. I need to just sit on the couch, breathe for a minute, have a conversation with some, someone, something, but uh, I need to relax. So relax before bed. Number nine, take a hot bath before bed. Two reasons for this. One, a bath can help you feel sleepy. Two, uh, our body temperature drops a couple degrees at night. And he says the drop in body temperature after you get out of the bath will help you fall asleep. So you get a warm bath, hot bath, you get out, boom, temperature drops. It makes it easier to fall asleep. Take a hot bath before bed. Number 10, dark bedroom, cool bedroom, gadget-free bedroom. He says, get rid of anything in your bedroom that might distract sleep. Uh, Get comfortable pillows, get a comfortable bed. He says, if you wake up and look at the clock a lot, turn the clock away so you can't see it. You ever try to fall asleep and you're looking at the clock and you just get more and more anxious because (laughs) the time keeps going and you're still awake? Uh, Optimal temperature for sleeping, he says, is 67 degrees. So those of you who live with people who want your house or your apartment, your place, warmer than you do, this is a good argument to make it cool. Optimal temperature for sleep, 67 degrees. Number 11, have the right sunlight exposure. He says, try to get outside in natural sunlight for at least 30 minutes a day. If possible, wake up with the sun or use bright lights in the morning and then dim lights at night. He talks about uh, the invention of the light bulb and how that's actually messed up our sleeping patterns and what kind of light bulbs to use at night. And this goes back also to the um, computers and TVs at night and how that messes with us. Uh, So have the right sunlight exposure. And then number 12 don't lie in bed awake. He says if you're still awake after 20 minutes or you start to feel anxious, he says don't just sit there and you know tell yourself how much you need to fall asleep. He says get up and do something, a relaxing activity until you feel sleepy, uh, reading, a puzzle, whatever it is, not TV, he'll say, <laughs> not TV, not, don't pull out that iPhone, uh, but don't lie awake in bed. So there you go book report, Why We Sleep. Fascinating book. Everyone should read it. If not, listen to the podcast. And then those 12 tips for healthy sleeping, number one being go to bed and wake up at the same time each day. Well, that's that. Hope you sleep well tonight, my friends. And we will be back with our summer camp series. Grace and peace to you all.